Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. It's Trent Condon, Ken Miller, with you until noon. Appreciate you spending some of your morning here with us. And if you wait toward the end of the show, we'll give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some Claxon's Barbecue, 3131 8th Street uh, in Altoona. Claxon's Barbecue promotion contest coming up here at about 1145. Again, the rules are... Uh, you can only play once a month, once a month. Not only can you only win once a month, you can only play once a month. But prior to getting to that point, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we'll start things off here in about 20 minutes uh, with a uh, no friend of the program, Jordan Burnfield, who we haven't spoken with in a long, long time. Jordan Burnfield uh, with ESPN. He's the voice of Loyola Basketball. He's at WGN Radio, and he will join us to help us uh, with these uh, Ramblers of Loyola as they get set to play. They kick the Youngs off tomorrow, do they not? I believe they're the first game. They are, yeah. It'll be Beavers Ramblers Love to get it. things started. I Love it. Uh, I like a little overlap in my Sweet 16 because when a game turns into a blowout, you don't have anything yeah. else to turn to. No, you don't. Uh, the NIT's uh, semifinals are tomorrow. I was kind of surprised at that. And they do those early, 11 a.m. Uh, 11 and... and 2, right? Yes. Yeah. 11 and 2. Anyways, we get into that. It was fun watching some of those games last night. Boy, just uh, had a basketball, college basketball Jones. Really had an itch. Yeah. <laughs> it's only three days, but it was good to see it back on TV last night. Anyways, uh, so Jordan Burnfield will join us at 10 25. Numbers what? Six and a half? Is that what I saw? Up to seven in some spots. Starting to tick up a little bit higher. I think I like the Ramblers in that one. I think the regression of the three-point shooting starting to going to show up for Oregon State. I got thoughts on all eight of the games. I'm sure you do. You know what? Uh, Because there's betting lines, because we love this uh, sports gambling on the show, we're going to go to Vegas at 1045. Our friend Chris Andrews from the South Point has been setting lines and writing tickets on sports in Vegas for, let me think, 20, 40, 45, 40-something years. Yeah. He went out there in the late 70s. Uh, have you read his book? I have not. I think you'll get a kick out. I got to. I got to remember to bring that in for you. Yeah. A lot of great stories of old Vegas when uh-huh. he went out there as a teenager. He'd go out there. So he's a Pittsburgh guy, but he had a couple uncles that moved out there and started running numbers. and And he'd go out there during the summers of his youth mm-hmm. and drive around cars and do different things and really some fun stories that just you know what Vegas is like now. Oh, I do. What it was like back then. And, and even Trent, not too many years ago, I I knew a couple of guys from Des Moines that every weekend, oh, probably Friday, they would fly to Las Vegas to lay off the bets that they that the bookies oh. used to make here in Des Moines. Yeah. And so they would and they stayed at the Flamingo. Um I'm not going to say his name. I, don't, I yeah, think man, he's still alive. Um, and one of the guys who was still was actually a former cop. Really? Yeah. But um, it, it happened old Vegas. Oh, so many cool stories. But yeah, every weekend during football, they would fly to Vegas on mm-hmm. Friday and, um, at, at, and come back to Des Moines on Monday with 
you know, if they have some tickets to cash. Anyway, so we'll go to Vegas. It's changed uh, with yes. Chris Andrews at 1045, and I can't wait to go to Vegas uh, in May, and I'm looking so forward to doing just that. Any, and the 11 o'clock hour, of course, Dave Sproul on Iowa State. Get the latest on those cyclones, and likewise at ten eleven twenty five with Tom Kakert. We'll get the latest on the Hawks with Tom Kakert from HawkeyeReport.com. All right, stay local before we move around a little bit, because I do want to talk about the break that your twins got yesterday, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at the expense of your heated, what I think is going to be a heated rival, is the Chicago White Sox. But what's going on at UNI, Trent? Uh, Noah Carter now in the transfer portal. We know that Ben Jacobson interviewed uh, at Minnesota. Don't certainly hold that against him. Uh, and Kyle Green, his assistant. Travis Hines wrote at the Des Moines Register earlier this week that seemingly there might be some dots to be connected on T.J. Otzelberger's staff. Now that story um, has kind of put placed on the back burner. I don't remember exactly what day it was published, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere around there. I uh, would have thought that maybe this was, and maybe it's still going to be announced today. Uh, but Kyle Green, so that's three pretty big pieces. Assistant, a head coach, and a guy that had a couple more years of eligibility left that was going to... Um, Make an impact on that team. What's going on? Well, first of all, I I think it's important to note that just because somebody enters the transfer portal does not mean that they're leaving. True. It's not an automatic. Yep. Uh, We saw Davion Nixon was in Mm -hmm. the transfer portal. That worked out very well for him. And he became an All-American and more than likely a first-round NFL draft. First or second, yes. That's So it's not an automatic that you're doing it. And at the mid-major level, and with the sheer volume here, No Carter had a nice season. There's limitations in his game. Mm -hmm. I don't see him as a major contributor of a good major conference team. Can he play? Sure, he can play. I think he's better than a cohort of his from over in Eastern Iowa, Cordell Pemsel, mm-hmm. who got some minutes for Virginia Tech, yep. but they were just minutes. Right. Noah Carter's not going to go to whatever, you know, NC State and average 15 a game by a senior year. I don't think, I think there are too many limitations to his game, but I think it's more than anything, just looking around, seeing mm-hmm. what else is out there. Okay. And if somebody bites, and it's a place that you think makes a good fit and a place you want to go, then you do that. Trent, when the music stops, there's going to be so many guys still standing. I mean, there's only going to be so many spots. And as we keep chronicling, Mm -hmm. the transfer portal is already almost to, it's way ahead of where it was last year. And last year was a record pace, for crying out loud. I I think we're trending towards maybe as many as 2,000 players. Which is twice as many as there were last year. Now, not quite. I think it was 1,058. But you get my point. And do the math with that. That's almost five a team. Right. That's almost five. So, yes, there are going to be a lot of these guys that enter the portal but end up not me leaving. Mm-hmm. And it's important, I think, for all of these players, and I'm going to guess most of them know that, but to get the good advice. If you're going to do that, it's all well and good. Talk to your head coach first. Have that conversation. Yeah. Explain your reasoning, your justification behind it. I'm sure, for the most part, yes, there's going to be some coaches that get upset about it and might not be a scholarship if you decide to go that route. But have that conversation beforehand. That's going to go a long ways. Ultimately, I have no idea what Noah Carter's looking at. Maybe it's a different kind of role. Maybe it's something he's close to home. It can't be anything like that. He's in Dubuque, right? Right, yeah. I don't see anything that could be that route. Just wants to play at a higher level. Yeah. Very well could be the case, too, and see if somebody's going to bite. But ultimately, just because they're in there, I think important to note, doesn't mean they're automatically leaving. Uh, what do you make of the Kyle Green story? Do you think there's anything to it? I, th- I think more than anything, it's a package deal. And if you don't get the player, then we don't want you? Right. And Travis Hines' article from the Des Moines Register had mentioned 
that it was thought that A.J. Green this would not transfer. Yeah. Right. He would yeah. be staying in Cedar Falls. I wonder if that makes T.J. Otzberger say, all right, well, we got other candidates. Yeah. Minnesota has also been rumored with that new coaching staff up there with Ben Johnson and what he is building. Maybe Green goes up there. I have heard, and this is just rumbling speculation. This is wild speculation. Put that caveat there. It is more likely of the two jobs for A.J. to go to Minnesota as opposed to Iowa State mm. if Kyle would get either of Interesting. those jobs. Doesn't mean that it's an automatic one way or the other. Right. Or that if it would be Iowa State, it would be an absolute no-go. But of the two, it would be more likely he would go to Minnesota. Did Robin's uncle stay with the Gophers after he did, the yeah. coaching change? Yep, Ed Conroy got the uh, got yeah. one of the assistant jobs up there. Not so, surprised. Yep, Liam will not be entering the transfer portal. It's probably the connection you can make there. Trent, I'm anxious to see his next step. Yeah. Because he was way better in the Big Ten, playing mm-hmm. uh, every single night against a big man than I thought he was going to be, and it didn't take him too long to make his impact. Um, so it would be it would be fun to watch him go forward. Well, all right, so not a big deal at you and I. Then there's not like a, I don't think so. I don't, the, the program's not is not in flames, not burning down, right? right? Don't think it's rats gotcha. fleeing the ship, anything yep. like that. I think it's everybody looking around. It's Ben Jacobson mm-hmm. looking around and taking that interview at Minnesota. That program was the preseason favorite to win the league. Uh-huh. If they return, if everybody does come back, everything, all right, get everything smoothed over, Kyle Green's going to stay as an assistant, yada, 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 and of course AJ stays. Who are you taking next year? Drake or you and I? Mm. Who has a better finish in the MVC? Mm. And again, does Trey Burhow come back for another season? And you have all these other dominoes. Yeah. And you know, all the Drake guys have said they're coming yep. back, but... Do they ultimately come back? Yep. I know we don't know that, but right now... What kind of impact is the uh, the Vries kid going to have? See, and I love Tucker. I love his game so much. I think he is so good. Does he play right away? I think he does. I think he, Significant minutes Yeah, right I away? think he plays 25 minutes a do game. Do he really? Yes, I do. Even with all those guys coming yeah. back, I think he is that good coming in right away. Boy, Yesifu took a major, major step forward, didn't he? Jesus, what a player. And speaking of wild speculation, isn't that a guy that you wonder? I hope not. I, but that's the environment we yeah, live in now in college basketball, yeah. and it sucks. And it sucks that Liam Hen- Liam. Uh, I didn't see Robbins going last year. Robbins is up yeah. in Minnesota right. as opposed to maybe taking Drake to right. a Sweet Sixteen this year, as opposed to getting to the the round of sixty four. Yeah, but that is the reality. And mm-hmm. when Yesifu comes on in that direction, Oof. you don't see that happen. The guy from Illinois doesn't have the same kind of connection. He's not an in state kid. I don't know. Just something that popped into my mind at one point. As he was going over and dunking people. A couple uh, weeks ago. The, to, to answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be. Look, we've. How great would that be, though, to actually have a year where they're both really it's good? Be awesome. Yeah, be awesome. And I, and I think TJ's going to. I mean, I'm not saying they're a tournament team. We don't know what the roster looks like. Right. Be crazy and speculate, but I will speculate in this regard: they're going to win a game in the conference. Mm. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. They're not going to go winless. He he will upgrade the the roster to that extent, and then we wait to see what goes on over in Iowa City. Um, we know that Frederick apparently is going to come back. Uh, there's a lot of speculation on Connor McCaffrey that maybe his basketball playing days are over, that once he gets healthy, uh, and this won't be in time for this baseball season, but next baseball season, mm-hmm. maybe that's where his focus lies. So we'll see. We know that uh, Bohannon's moving on and Luke is moving on, and I'll likely uh, Joe Wieskamp's moving on. All right, so we're going to move on. Let's go to baseball. Uh, and... Um, just a blow for the White Sox, right? Prior to the mm-hmm. season starting, Jimenez, who was second on the team in home runs last year, I think he was. I mean, Abreu was out of his mind. Yes, he was. Uh, and I believe Jimenez finished second. He had 14 last year. And Robert was 12, I think. 
I think he was. Okay. So, left fielder, I mean, he's not a strong fielder by, by any means. <laughs> well, and all these injuries, because he's had to pile them now, almost all of them to a T have come defensively. Have they? Yeah. I think they listed uh, the Athletic and James Fagan, who we'll have on next, next week, week yeah. with our White Sox preview. He had mentioned that of the five kind of significant injuries he's had in his career, four of them have been doing something mm. Not swinging. Well, he's an adventurer in left field. Yes, but but he's got a guy in center field who covers so much damn ground. That helps a lot, right? You just stay here, and if you have to go to your left, don't worry about it. Robert's got you covered. Well, and that goes down to the White Sox front office because it would have been very easy for them to let Jose Abreu walk, not give him the extension. He was at a point where I think he could have made a strong, compelling argument both ways. But they gave the contract extension to Abreu, and with it. Now you have to have Jimenez be a left fielder. And yeah. that put that team, I think, in a difficult spot. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, unfortunately for them, what happens. Five to six weeks. And did you see the injury? I did not. So he's trying to rob a home run. I mean, nobody could have got to the ball either. In his oh, arm. So it wasn't even close. No. It, I mean, and we were it was him? there, but he missed okay. it by five feet. Right. But his arm gets hung up kind of on the fence. Mm. Yeah, it. It looked weird, and then he goes down to his knees right away, and like, oh, that, that's... It's peck, right? That, yeah, and that's Ooh. a problem. And that, oh. and then you think about that kind of injury. They say he's going to be back in five yeah. to six months. That's September at best. In baseball, I think one of the biggest injuries for hitters, power hitters, is shoulder injuries. You've seen, and things that we're told, it's not that bad of an injury, and how it saps mm-hmm. the power. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a pectoral muscle. Yeah. And you've got to figure it's got to be in the same kind of realm. It's, What's he going to be back yeah, in September when he gets look, back? You're not bringing him back to play defense. <laughs> right. You're playing yeah. him back to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. And, and if indeed you're right, uh, Dr. Condon, um, <laughs> then that, that's, going to be, that's going to be a problem. So we'll see. But that has to help your twins, right? It does. And did the White Sox number after that injury, the over-under total, did I see that it came down significantly? Oh, did it? I did not see that. So they've had a couple of injuries. And one of the knocks that you can make, and one of the knocks when I'd argue with... On the White Sox? Yeah, with Sean or (laughs) any of those guys, would be the depth of the team. Mm -hmm. Yes, one through 18 of this team is really good. But after that, some of the young guys that they thought would be coming up with this group... Well, their number one prospect, kid by the name of Vaughn, he is here. And he may make the team because of this, correct? Yep, and they're really excited about him. But in terms of depth, some of those those next-tier pieces have not developed at the way that it is. And that that was one of my concerns. Bullpen, I don't like their bullpen. And secondly, the depth of this mm-hmm. team. And this is what happens. You now, see you the, like the closer, Hendricks, though, right? Sure, yeah. But overall, To get to him, right? Yeah. Yep. You have these young teams that make a leap, and that's what they made last season. But the sustainability and how injuries can so mm-hmm. quickly derail things here. This is not just a fan perspective. This is a betting perspective. And I was baffled that the division odds were as significantly different between these two teams. The Twins last year played at 100 win pace. The year before, they won just short of 100 games. And now the over-under in a team that looks almost exactly the same is 87 and a half. Yeah, I don't get that either. To win the division, it was plus 180 at one point. It didn't make a lick of sense. I like the White Sox. I like the White Sox talent. But the gap is that different, and now with an injury like this, and that's what happens, how quickly it swings. Speaking of uh, win totals, um, I fired yesterday. Oh, I, I, I went home, and uh, I love betting over-unders mm-hmm. on this season. My plan going into it, I was going to pick four. I was going to bet four teams. I ended up playing one team, and I, and, and the, the more I looked into it, the more I'm thinking to myself, 
this is I don't th- I don't think this is a bad number. Uh-huh. And then I bet them to win the division. Okay. And I got them at three to one. They're the third choice in the division. I think they were the third choice. Were the third choice or the second choice? Regardless, I think the Milwaukee Brewers can win the, the National League Central. I agree, and I bet them to do so. And their win total is eighty-two and a half. Sounds about right in that division. Do you think so? Yeah, man. I don't. I I think they're going to run away with it. Now the Cardinals are going to be a problem, and I think the Cubs are going to be better than anybody thinks. And yes, after you get through the first three starters, after you get through Anderson Woodruff and uh, uh, Burns, Mm -hmm. um, and of course Josh Hader coming out of the bullpen. But look at that outfield trend. And now I'm putting a lot of eggs. In the Christian Yelich is going to be back to being one of the best players in baseball basket. We get MVP Yelich back. Then I think that they that I'm going to cash my ticket. You start there. Colton Wong comes in. Mm-hmm. And Her- Herrera goes over to first. He does, and they love that dude. And uh-huh. when, he, when he makes contact, you right. can hear it. He's one of those guys we talk about that it sounds different coming off his uh-huh. bat. He's one of those players. Travis Shaw, a professional at third. Uh, absolutely. I don't know anything about their shortstop. Luis Urias. Uh, just watch him play when I watch the when I when I watch the Brewers. I'm not sure he's much of a, a but like a lot of shortstops, right? Mm-hmm. They're really gifted defensively, but can't hit a lick. And their um, their DH. This is the kid that was with the was with the Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Vogelback. Yes. And he was blocked by Rizzo, and he went uh-huh. to Seattle. He did. Yep. In exchange for who? Do you remember? Was it a pitcher that came over from Seattle? Bag of balls. Uh... No, it was. It was a piece to that team. Really? And I don't remember who it was. A bullpen guy? Nah, Jesus. All right, I'm going to look. I'm going to cheat. Yeah. Um, he came over. He's no, been there for a cheat. while. I'm not going to cheat. He, it, it, he, was, he was here. Uh-huh. He was, hitting a, he was hitting a million home runs, and he was traded to Seattle. And who would have come back from Seattle? Mike Montgomery. There you go, the pitcher. Mike, Lefty. Good call. And who's in Kansas City now, right? Yes. Or was, anyways. Yeah. I don't know if he still is. Mike Montgomery. But uh, Vogelbach, speaking of, I mean, um, he's either going to strike out or he's going to hit over the fence. <laughs> yep. So if Yelich is Yelich, uh-huh. if Lorenzo Cain, who is, is at one time, certainly was with Kansas City and uh-huh. early in his Brewers career, was as good a defensive outfielder as there was in baseball, and they get Jackie Bradley Jr.? That's a pretty good outfield. It's a great defensive outfield, yes. too. And, okay, tell me this. Adrian Hauser and Freddie Peralta is your four and five. I'm a little worried. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah. I love their bullpen, and it's not just Hayter. Devin Williams might be better than Hayter. At least he was a year ago. He's incredibly good. Suter has been a professional. Boxberger, if he's back, mm-hmm. the guy we saw in Tampa a few years back. Mm-hmm. That's an elite-level bullpen that they have again. Yep. Four and five. Going to need some help. Yep. <laughs> in a big time way. But they only have to, only have to win 82 and a half games. What's it going to take to win that division? 85 wins it. Uh-huh. 86 wins it. 85 I gets it. I think that's probably accurate. 85 is a tie. Yeah. 86 wins it. And is it the Cardinals that they have to outfinish? That's where my money is. And I've already got bet the Pirates them on the division. 19 times. That Not helps. Saying they're gonna go Everybody does, though. Right. That's, that's true. So let me let me scratch that argument. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's got shot down quickly. Um, okay, I just I I stumbled across this Brewers, and I did I didn't log on to DraftKings because I can't get an app. <laughs> you had to go on your desktop. Yeah, I got on the desktop. Uh-huh. And you know what? By doing so, I didn't take advantage of any offers. You didn't because you don't get them when you log. You have to have a freaking app. It's not hard. Yeah, it is for old people. 
You can do it. I, I'm sure Cindy I can. can do it for you. But, you know, she's not going to do that for me. You, you, don't, you don't want Cindy to do that for no, you. No, I don't. No, she kind of drew the line on the horses. Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, Jordan Burnfield coming up. We'll speak Brewers. with him. But the Brewers are my squad. Brewers. Okay. You don't like it? You do 82 and a half. Three to one to win the division. Three to one I like. 82 and a half. Yes, I, I like it. I don't love it. I like it, though. I might um, jump aboard. I'll tail you on this one. So, and, and I'm going to find an American League team. You're gonna go and you know one where I'm there. leaning? Twins. Same division, wrong squad. Royals. Yes. Yes. I. When the first numbers came out, that was one of the first teams I fired at. 73 and a half. It was 72 and a half when I got it. it. Mm. And I I thought that thing was going to be like 76 and a half. Uh-huh. I, that was about as far off as I was, as I did my, my totals, what I thought they would be and what they were. So when I saw that, that was an automatic fire. I like this team. I do too. They're not going to win the division. No, They're not going not. to win gonna, 90 they, games. They may finish third if they have a terrific year. Yes. But healthy Sal Perez. Uh-huh. Dozier's a stud. Mondesi. Mm-hmm. I want to see Witt Jr. Now, is Witt Jr. a Chris Bryant? Go, go to the minors for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then miraculously, once the clock once it gets past that day where the clock doesn't start on his eligibility. Because he's tearing the cover off the ball in spring training. Yes. Um Dozier, good player. Yes. Uh, Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield, all-star, mm-hmm. right? Ben Attendee from, from, uh, from the Red Sox, he comes over. Solaire and he's a, a nice player. Yeah, Solaire's had And a I like the rotation. It's, it's still young at spots. See, I don't know enough about it. Other than Danny Duffy and Singer, those are the two guys. Eunice oh, had moments. Um, Brad Keller. Keller, thank yeah. you. Is a great no. I mean, the, the, the one. But in that division, the Tigers are still going to be putrid. Uh-huh. The Indians are selling off parts. Yep. The White Sox, maybe they are a year early, and, and that's more like an 83 win yeah, team. They had a bad day yesterday. They Chuck. did. This, Jimenez is a, this is a blow to them. 72 and a half or 73 and a half yeah, what it now, is right now? Yeah. That, that's a fire for me. Look, Big, I, we're, we're less than a week away from I, baseball. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, the, the, this, time, this time next week, we'll have box scores from yesterday, oh. um, which is certainly going to be you know welcomed here on, on uh, the 10 to noon time slot. Um, it's fun. Look, your money's tied up for the entire season. Mm-hmm. I get that part. Maybe not the best, but if you're sitting at home, you don't want to bet a game, and you got the. If I, I I'm watching the Brewers play, I don't care. You know, I'm gonna root for the Brewers to get closer to my eighty-two and a half. Put one in the win column. Anyways, we will get Jordan Burnfield coming up. He's the voice of Loyola. Pick his brain. Uh, obviously, on the team and on the head coach Porter Moser. Do you think he's is this? Does he leave after this? Has to be the right. Is it Indiana or Marquette? It, I mean, I'm see, the I know Indiana. But it's yes, clearly the one. I, I would think so. And I don't know if Marquette's that job. He's had. I think he's had better job opportunities mm-hmm. than Marquette in the past, and he hasn't jumped. Let at me it. ask it this way: Is Indiana's next head coach coaching this weekend? Yes. And is that why they haven't made the decision? Yes, I agree with you. And the Mike Woodson thing that was out there yeah. rumbling earlier in the week. Yeah. That. Why I've seen a lot back? of head scratchers. Yep. You fire Archie Miller for I know. Mike Woodson? I'm with you. <laughs> 10-25, Jordan Burnfield, bottom of the hour. We'll head to Vegas with Chris Andrews from the South Point at 10-45, 11 o'clock. Cyclones, Hawkeyes, our keyword, our final one of the week. We'll do that as soon as we finish with Dave Sprout, about 11-20-ish. And Claxon's Barbecue at 11-45. Again, if you haven't played in the last month, you are eligible to play. If you played in the last month, whether you won or you haven't, 
you are ineligible. Claxton's Barbecue giveaway coming up here at uh, 1145. Trent, I love the tiebreaker you came up with. Uh, Caitlin Clark's total points. And they play tomorrow, you said? Tomorrow at noon as they'll take on number one UConn. And who's got the television of that? That's ABC. How about that? Yes, national TV. Media Cubs subscribers, though, right now there's a fight going on oh, no. between the two sides. So a lot of different ways and oh, no. go old school and get the antenna. One of those times where you say, oh, well, it's not my provider, okay. But, man, does that stink when yeah. those happen. And they happen everywhere. And I've told people, i got a sidebar that we'll probably get into next week, but everybody, oh, just cut the cord. Yeah, it's going to ultimately happen, and it's happening right now with people that cut the cord. YouTube TV, yes, there's mm-hmm. fights happening with those kind of products. It's mm-hmm. going to happen everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just a different way of getting your television product, and, yes, there will be fight. There will be carriage fights. With all these different avenues. I'll tell you, I'm worried about Thursdays next fall. Yeah. Amazon TV, how the hell am I going to get it? We'll get you. Okay. Uh, 1026, Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 106.3 on the FM dial. Time to catch up with an old friend, Jordan Burnfield. ESPN, you listen to him do a whole bunch of Horizon games. Not only Horizon, he was all over college basketball as he always does. Loyola as well, and we pick his brain on those Rabblers. Jordan, Trenton, Ken, good to catch up with you. How have you been? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing great, Jordan, and just digging this Loyola story, right? I'll be honest, I didn't think they would beat Illinois. I thought Illinois was playing as well as anybody, but man, oh man, Loyola never gave the Fighting Illini a chance, Jordan. Uh, is that all Porter Moser? I mean, is, the, is he this good of a coach? I think he's a great coach. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's all him because I think that might discredit the players, and I think that they have great players. I mean, I, I really think that Loyola is an excellent mix. But, I mean, I think Porter Moser is phenomenal, and I think he's gotten better year after year. I mean, I, I got hired to do – Loyola's games and Porter Moser's first year. I've been covering this program for all 10 of his seasons, and I think that the way that his mm. team has evolved and the way that you know he's sort of emerged as this incredible tactician um, and basketball strategist, I mean, he's always had kind of the total package as a coach, but just to see the adjustments that his teams make and the, and the efficiency which, with, with, with which they play and just the defensive intensity, I, I'm I'm not surprised they beat Illinois. I'm surprised they creamed Illinois. Right. And, and really, that's what that, that's what that was. I mean, yeah. they crushed Illinois in every way possible. But, um, yeah, I mean, this, this Loyola team is no fluke. And if anything, they were underseated. That's the only reason this game was played in the second round as opposed to the Elite Eight. No question about it. They frustrated the heck out of them. So I, I want to ask you this, uh, Jordan, because, and I hope I hope Porter Moser stays there forever. I do. we got DeVries seemingly putting down some roots at Drake. Uh, Jacobson at UNI has been there for a long, long time. I hope more, Moser stays. But there's got to be suitors out there. We hear Shaka Smart, by the way, might be getting out of Texas, beating the posse uh, out of Austin uh, and taking the Marquette job. John Rothstein reporting that here within the uh, last few minutes. Uh, but Porter Moser, does he seem like he's a Loyola lifer to you, Jordan? It's a tough question to answer, Ken, and this is the reason. Because Porter, as you guys know, I mean, you guys cover the Valley. He's from Naperville, which is suburban Chicago. He's a Chicago guy through and through. He's a big Cubs fan. I see him at Wrigley all the time in the summer. You know, he loves being here. 
And so from the standpoint of Porter wanting to be in the situation he's in, I think he is truly happy, and when he tells you he is, he means it. The only caveat is that I think that three years ago when he sort of burst onto the national scene and taking Loyola to the Final Four, and all of a sudden he became someone that bigger jobs would be interested in, they weren't all jobs that he necessarily felt like were great fits, right? Like he, he looked at St. John's and almost took St. John's, but then decided, I want to change his guys. If we lose Jordan, from a professional development standpoint, you're 52 and you could coach, let's say, Indiana. And I'm not even saying that that, that mm-hmm. is a fit, but I'm just saying if they were to offer you that, is that something that you could just turn down? I mean, that's, that's such a big job. So I guess what I'm saying is I think that he could be a lifer at Loyola. But I think that if a certain job opened up that was too good to pass up from a professional development standpoint, then I could see him leaving for something like that. Well, we know Loyola great defensively and Crutwig and company, just how efficient they are on the offensive end. Tell us what you've seen about Oregon State. I love Loyola in this matchup. I think regression is going to happen with the Beavers in terms of they've shot the ball incredibly well the last five games. Going back to the Pac-12 tournament and the first two rounds, they've shot it above their heads. And against Loyola, that doesn't seem like a recipe for success. What do you see when you look at Oregon State? Yeah, Trent, I think you said it. I mean, I think Oregon State's a really good story, right? They were picked to finish 12th in the Pac-12. They were not really having a great season until midway through January. They seemed to turn it up, and all of a sudden they win you know, six straight elimination games to this point, and they win the Pac-12 tournament to get the automatic qualifying, and now here they are in the Sweet 16, and you know, Wayne Tinkle deserves so much because nobody thought they were going to be in the Sweet 16. I don't think that they are a team that is, by any means, like the scariest team from an X's and O's standpoint. I even felt like in that Oklahoma State game, they they left the door open, right? I mean, they left the door open several times for Oklahoma State to get back into it, but for whatever reason, the Cowboys were missing layups and just couldn't seem to score in opportunities where it looked like the possession was set up for them to do so. I I like uh, Oregon State's players. I don't think that any one player stands out to me as a major matchup problem. For Loyola, so I feel like Oregon State's a good team, a really good story, but I think there's a reason why Loyola's favored, and I think that just kind of the way Porter Moser sets these things up, you know, they're they're laser focused on on the Beavers for tomorrow, and I, and I expect that Loyola is going to win this game. But you know, sometimes when you're hot in a tournament setting. Um, that's all. That's all you need to be. And right now, Oregon State's a hot team. You know uh, what would? You, how would you um, summarize what you've watched out of Krautwig? You've been there for for his entire career. We saw him on the biggest of stages as, as a freshman. Here he is, just doing what he did and doing it against Kofi Coburn of all people last weekend. He, he look. He looks like a guy who's going to show up when you've got a, link, a, a leaky faucet. Um, but he's just an incredible player. How does he do it? I mean, athleticism seemingly isn't his calling card, but boy, oh boy, he's productive. He is. He's really smart, Ken. He's really smart. And, you know, I think that part of the brilliance of Crowwig is that he has the passing skills of a guard, but plays the center position and is sort of like a point center. I mean, you know, some people are comparing him to like a Nikola Jokic 
mm. in the NBA. And I, I sort of look at him kind of like what Joakim Noah used to be with the Bulls. Like, you remember when the Bulls were having their run with in the Derrick Rose era, how Noah was kind of a point center that they could run the offense through, and his vision on the court allowed guys to get open and space the floor properly. And I think that Crowig does a lot of the same things with less athleticism. You know, Crowig is such a smart player and sees the floor so well. And, guys, I think I may have even said this to you in the past. Over the years that I've been calling Loyola games, which is a decade now, Cameron Crowig is the player that changed the program. Wow. And I think that Porter, I mean, Porter and I have talked about this, but, you know, I think that he would tell you this if you were on the phone with us right now because we've had conversations about this in the past. The reason I say it is, you know, Loyola was a very competitive team in the Horizon League and then at the transition to the Valley for the first five years that Porter was there, even without the talent. The issue that they had was, even though they were an efficient offensive team and they switched aggressively defensively the way you see them do it, they'd get killed on the board. And then they'd get killed inside because they just weren't big enough. They used to play 6-4 guys at the 4, and you just can't do that in almost any league and be successful. When they were able to get Cameron Crowick into this program, they ascended to becoming a Final Four team and a dominant team in the Missouri Valley Conference. And I think one of the reasons is because he can rebound and he can defend any of the big guys in the country, as you saw him do against Coburn, and he's so crafty and smart on the offensive side of the floor that he can set up shooters to be efficient and get good shots. And so, you know, I don't think that the that you can say enough about Cameron Crowick. There's a reason why he was 13 All-American. Mm-hmm. He's an absolutely phenomenal player. And even though he looked, you know, he's got the goofy look and yeah. the goofy persona, that dude can play. That he can. Jordan Burnfield joining us here. Hey, Jordan, one quick one as we uh, let you go. The NBC as a whole, you've watched the development of the program. I was told by many people who would never be a multi-bid league again after Creighton and Wichita left, and, well, of course, it happened this year. When you look at the future of the conference as a whole, how much better do you think it can get? Well, I mean, listen, you guys, I think you guys know I'm a big fan of the Missouri Valley Conference. I think it's phenomenally run, and I think that, you know, the, the teams are always incredibly sound fundamentally and defensively, particularly. It's a hard question to answer, Trent. The reason is I think that if Loyola continues to succeed the way that it is, and continues to dominate in this league, the question will always become, you know, do they eventually jump to another league? And then if that were to happen, you know, does the Valley add a team that can be, you know, on the, on the same level, right? I mean, Loyola's been to the tournament twice in the last four years, but they've also been regular season champs three times in the last four years, and they've been, you know, they were in the NIT three years ago. And I guess my point is, if Loyola's able to keep Porter Moser and they can dominate in this league – it is a one-bid league, or if it remains a one- or even two-bid league over the next few years, does a program like Loyola ascend enough, like Wichita State did, where maybe they decide we need to be in a league that's got three or four or five or six bids so that we have an easier time getting to the tournament? Now, I don't think we're there yet, to be clear, but I think you always think that with leagues like this because we've seen that happen in the past. So I think if Loyola stays because of some of the other programs in this Bradley, who's been to the tournament twice in the last three years. Uh, UNI, as you mentioned, is obviously at a great run. Drake is really on the come with, you know, making the tournament this year, but, you know, playing phenomenally under Darian DeVries. Perhaps we can get back to the point that we did, you know, 10, 15 years to get three, four teams into the tournament. I just think it, what it comes down to is whether these schools stay in the league. 
Jordan, we are out of time. Great stuff, Jordan Burnfield. Uh, five seconds. Cubs finish where in the division? Uh, either 80-something wins or 60-something wins, depending <laughs> on how they start the year. Good stuff. Jordan, thanks for doing this for us, Jordan. Great to catch up with you. Yeah, great talking to you guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Good to talk to you. Jordan Burnfield, voice of Loyola and ESPN, the Horizon League, on Friday nights. Off to Vegas we'll go when we come back. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106. free. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Good to catch up with Jordan Burnfield, the voice of Loyola. Loyola, Oregon State, as promised. Let's head to Vegas. Chris Andrews, he sets the numbers at uh, the South Point and has done so since the late 70s in Vegas. Not South Point the whole time, but you get my point. And he joins Trent and I. Chris, uh, Trent and Ken, good to speak with you, Chris Andrews. How you been? Uh, I've been doing fine. Good to talk to you guys, too. You know, I love this segment when we had an opportunity to get you on. So let's just go back to last weekend. And I know it's not close to what it once was uh, as far as the opening weekend of the tournament, Chris. But does it feel like it's start Vegas as a whole starting to come back to at least a glimmer of normalcy or still a long way to go? Well, in the sports betting world we're we're getting very close to normal we're not quite there yet but some of the other things like uh you know we um i think last weekend our hotel was like 60 percent full which the most it's been in a year uh usually every weekend i mean we're hovering right around 100 percent uh and we're probably reflective maybe even more so than the rest of uh uh the strip in las vegas Attendance. But, uh, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I'm going to say, so that still has a ways to go. And naturally, the restaurants aren't what uh, they were. Uh, so that part of town in the shows, most of the shows aren't up and open. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're going to get there eventually. We, you know, But the sports world has not suffered much, uh, hardly at all. Sportsbook capacity. When you look at the attendance where you guys are and where maybe you anticipate you be, if not this summer with some big events, maybe well by football season when we get around to that. Well, we're still under some uh, crowd restrictions. We're not supposed to have more than 250 people in one gathering place. Mm-hmm. you know. So uh, we've had to break up uh, our viewing areas, uh, so we don't, uh, you know, we don't go over that limit. Uh, so that's been a little different. And in some of the, you know, additional viewing areas, we've had to add betting stations because obviously we don't want to affect the betting handle. So those are things that we've had to adjust to on the fly. I think we've done that pretty well. I, I can, I can only speak for the South Point, but we, you know, I think we've done it extremely well. Uh, but it's, you know, like a lot of things in business, you just kind of have to adjust on the fly. I, I think we've done that, but it'll be nice to get back to where just everybody can come in the sports book. And Trent, you've been here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a madhouse on weekends. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I miss that madhouse a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for that to happen. Chris Andrews. Chris, so it seems like the first three days of the tournament, the dogs were barking. I'm assuming you had a first, a really good first three days. Monday, the favorites, I think they were 7-1. and one. But overall, the first weekend of the tournament, did it go the book's ways or the better's way? Uh, well, I'd say even the, the first four days in the tournament, because if you go back to the Thursday playing games, those were actually real good for us, too. 
So the first four days were really good. But Monday we gave uh, we gave some back, not a whole heck of a lot, but we gave some back. But uh, you know, overall, very very happy with the tournament. You know, the uh, the handles down a little bit from uh, what we experienced a couple years back. But uh, the win was very solid, and uh, you know, every bookmaker in the world, every casino owner, all they ever do is cry. And I guess I'm probably <laughs> one of those guys too. You know, it's never you know, when you give it back on the last day. Man, you, we could have won this much. But all in all, very very good. We're very happy with the results. Chris, I believe you uh, told us you had a little liability on the Hawkeyes in the futures market. Obviously, that's off. But I have a Hawkeye question, and it's something not dealing with the men's team. It's the women's team. So we've been kind of uh, getting into both Iowa State, who had a tough loss earlier this week, and the Iowa women in the tournament, and the betting lines that have been out there, and we've talked about it a little bit. What's your guys' limits for something that you don't put up during the course of the regular year? NCAA women's basketball. You're not going to see Iowa-Indiana Tuesday night in January up on your guys' board. What kind of limits are we talking about when you get to the NCAA tournament for the women's bracket? Well, right now we're taking a dime. You know, know, uh, when we get probably, well, I mean, I'm sure the Final Four will take a lot more. uh, But we're still in the uh, regional semifinals. And I'm looking right now, Connecticut's uh, probably going to be about a 13-and-a-half-point a favorite, wow. something like that, over Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, Connecticut always gets a lot of money, <laughs> right. rightfully so, over the years. Uh, but they're not quite as good as they've been in the past. you know. But they, you know, they, they're still certainly one of the favorites to win it. So Iowa's kind of up against it, but... You know, we'll see what happens. They play on Saturday morning, and I think we'll do some business between now and then. Chris Anderson, the South Point, is our guest. Chris, who uh, back to the men's tournament, uh, other than Gonzaga or Baylor, who are the pros uh, surprising you with as far as they're coming to the counter and they're betting on this team that maybe surprised you a little bit? Is there a team that the pros have gravitated to? Well, I'll give you two that I'm, you know, the more I look at it, I shouldn't be so surprised. I think they were poorly seeded. The first one being USC. Uh, You know, Enfield had a lot of success early in his career when he was with Florida Gulf Coast. And I think, you know, it's really been kind of a story right now that the uh, West Coast teams were way better than people thought. They just were totally flying under the radar. And that would go for me, too. I really thought, you know, two two conferences that you guys would have right in your neighborhood, the Big Ten and the Big 12, Mm -hmm. I thought they would dominate this tournament. You know, obviously completely wrong. Uh, but USC is the one team, and like I said, I think they were uh, very poorly seeded. They were a six seed. And the other one that I really think was just horribly seeded was Loyola. Um, if you looked at the Ken Palm ratings, which is something I, I look at as much as I can, but, you know, I mean, I got to admit, I missed the boat on just exactly how good they were, too. But going into the tournament, Ken Palm had them number eight, and mm. the first seven in front of them were all either number one or, or two seeds. Then you get to you know poor little Illinois, uh, Loyola, Illinois, and they were uh, what the heck were they? They were a eight eight seed, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, um, you know, but when they played when they played Illinois, so supposedly uh, the big boys uh, in the neighborhood. I mean, we had so much money on Illinois, it was ridiculous. I mean, the money line, the point spread, first half, every every which way you could go. 
and uh, Loyola thoroughly beat them. And uh, Illinois was really a very popular pick among the public and the Sharp guys to win this tournament before it all started. So I think those are two teams that now all of a sudden people, uh, Sharp guys and the public in general, have glommed on to, and I can see why. Like I said, Loyola was horribly seated uh, for no apparent reason, and USC was horribly seated, I think, for a reason that caught a lot of us by surprise, that the West Coast teams were much, much better than people thought. Chris Andrews joining us from the South Point Casino in Vegas. Chris, uh, to baseball. Yesterday, huge injury for the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez going to be out five to six months. Did you guys adjust your win total on the White Sox because of that move? And and secondly, the division odds, I was happy to get down on the Twins, my team, at plus 175 earlier this spring. Did you adjust either of those numbers? I haven't yet. You know, uh, well, I'm on the phone with you. I haven't gone into work. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. We're going to. We're going to have to adjust both, but you know, it's funny. we've had a lot of money on the White Sox with both, um, you know, the future book and season win totals. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll adjust, but probably not as much as we should, uh, just because we do have so much money uh, favoring the White Sox uh, so far this season. I think Minnesota, you probably got a pretty decent bet. You know, Minnesota is always pretty representative. Uh, they don't always win, but they're usually pretty close. So, yeah, you probably have a pretty decent bet going for yourself there, Trent. And then they turn the calendar to October. Oh, that yeah. doesn't end well for yeah. Jake's team. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Andrews is our guest. Chris, are you upside down on any major league team? Is there a major league team that, uh, for whatever reason, uh, people keep showing up and firing at? Well, you know, I have tried to juice the Dodgers as much as oh, I can, yeah. but I am not coming close to stopping any kind of play on them at all. And that's part of it is our proximity to Los Angeles. Sure. But, I mean, the other part is they're really, really good. You know, uh, I'm not flooded with Angels money. I have to, actually, I'm getting quite a bit of uh, Padre money, though, too. Surprised. I, I guess it shouldn't be surprising. I think they made a lot of really good moves in the last uh, couple of years, really. But that Dodger team, I mean, I'm not, you know, <laughs> we're not going to have to close or anything if they win. But I, 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 I'm getting a lot of money on them. And if they started the, the playoffs of the World Series right now, which, of course, they're not going to do that till October either. I'd be in the, you know kind of bad shape. Like I said, not terrible just because the odds weren't very good on them. But the money is just pouring in on the Dodgers constantly. And, you know, I think at the end of the season, a lot of people just want to cash a ticket, and I think they'll probably be in pretty decent shape no matter if they are not getting what I would call good value or not. Listen, if you cash a ticket, it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Chris, we're uh, just over a month away from the NFL draft. Have have they loosened the restrictions yet for the draft for you guys in Nevada? No, not really. And okay. I think part of it is uh, the sports books haven't really called for a mm. lot of uh, loosening. Okay, I got to tell you because every year we get we get beat up on these draft props. Oh. You know, we try to follow it as closely as we can, but there's always a couple guys out there that know a little bit more than we do. <laughs> so we we put them up, but I'm not. I mean, I'm, I can speak for myself and a lot of the other guys I've talked to. I'm not too crazy about it because we don't seem to do very good on these things year in, year You know, we've only had it a couple of years, but it hasn't worked out all that well for us. Chris Andrews from the South Point. Chris, uh, enjoy this segment. We have an opportunity to speak with you. Thanks for uh, coming on here this morning. Uh, hopefully you guys have a really busy weekend. Thank you, Chris Andrews.
Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Call me at any time. Uh, I'll take you up on that. Good to talk to you. Chris Andrews joining us here as we end hour number one. To the Cyclones and the Hawkeyes and the barbecue in hour number two. Dave Sproul on the Clones. Tom Kakert on the Hawks and Claxon's Barbecue before we skedaddle out of here at noon. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 and 106.3 FM.